0: Last week, we discussed how minhagim become binding through some version of neder or some related category, biblical or rabbinic. Though we noted that that divided into two categories. There were minhagim, which were accepted by the individual upon himself. And then there were communal minhagim, which were presumed to be even more powerful in certain ways than individual minhagim. However, to fully understand this category, we need to understand the community to whom these customs apply. While most Jews living in the 21st century usually think about minhagim in terms of their family or their edah, Ashkenazim or Svardim, this category is in fact relatively new in halachic discussion, and the classic discussion of minhag focuses rather on minhag hamakom, the minhag of the place. And in order to understand modern psak, we need to understand how and if that category can be transferred to minhagim, which Aren't based on current geography, but rather based on ancestry and country of origin. This question begins in the Gemara in Pesachim, in the fourth parak. The Gemara there write that Halech mi makom sheosin l'makom sheinoosin, o mi makom sheinoosin l'makom sheosin, no dinel al av chumraya makom sheatzamisham v'chumraya makom shalach l'sham v'ishane adam mipnei machloket. One who travels from one place where they have the custom not to work on Eref Pesach, to a place where they have the custom to work, or vice versa. So, he must take the stringencies of both places. Now, as we noted in the past, we are not going to get too much into the Machloket as to whether this is always true or only until he officially moves. Most postkim assume that once someone moves, he no longer is bound by the stringencies of his original place, but rather takes the stringencies and the leniencies of his new place. The Gemara and dafnun comments on this statement from the Mishnah and writes, "The Bnei Beisan nahug de loha veazlan mitzor letzidom b'malei shabbata." The Bnei Beisan, a term which we'll define momentarily, had the custom that they wouldn't travel from tzur to tzidom on erev Pesach. Atu b'nayu kamei Rabbi Yochanan amrlo avatin efscharluhu anamlo efscharlon. They come to Rabbi Yochan and they say, Our fathers were capable, were able to accept this stringency. But we are not. So can we nullify this custom? You cannot uproot this custom for your fathers have already accepted it upon themselves. And the Pasuk says, Hear, my son, the instruction of your father, and do not forsake the teachings of your mother, which the Gemara takes as the rationale for accepting custom as binding. So here we begin to see this category of communal minhagim, which are binding. However, the key term here that must be defined is B'nei Beishan. B'nei can mean one of two things. It can either mean child of, and the case here is members of a family of Beishan who are coming to Rabbi Yochanan and asking him, are we bound by our parental minhagim? Or bine Beishan could mean the people from a place the people of Beishan, or Beit Sha'an, as the postkim assume. If that's the case, then we would have evidence that geographic minhagim are binding, but we would not have a source that parental minhagim are binding. So which is it? Do we have a source here for geographic, city-based minhagim being binding, or do we have a source for family minhagim being binding? There is one Rishon who seems to say, though it's not 100% clear, but can be interpreted as saying that indeed family minhagim are binding. And therefore, the category that we saw last week of communal minhagim makes sense because not only are communal minhagim binding, but even family minhagim are binding and community is a concentric circle out from that small circle of family. And this is the rivet in the sham im kiblu otam, If the fathers accepted it on themselves alone, so then the sons are not bound as long as they didn't follow it. But by implication if either, as he says explicitly in the second half of this statement, if the sons did accept the custom, or, by implication, if the parents accepted it for the entire family, it is indeed binding on the children. Now, he doesn't say explicitly that we're talking about here as a child, rather than a vote, meaning the earlier generation in a place, but at least it is possible to interpret this as minhag mishpacha. And indeed, this is how... The Pritoar in Yerodei amitet rules Ula Olam b'nei Beishan They're from the Beishan family. However, the majority of Postgim believe that this is not the case, and they believe that the primary category of binding communal minhagim are Minage hamakom. They point to the Gemara in and that It tells the following story or set of stories. Ah Marukva said that I am as vinegar compared to wine when compared to my father. My father used to wait twenty four hours after meat to eat milk. But I will simply eat them in separate meals. For now, we cannot get into the question of waiting between meat and milk, but suffice to say, he did not wait 24 hours like his father. Shmuel says, In monetary matters, I am similarly less than my father, for he would inspect his properties twice a day, and I only once. In this Gemara, it is clear, that the members of Chazal, who are recording the praises of their father, or their fathers, do not assume that they would be bound by their parental minhagim. So how does one justify this, if you think that parental minhagim are indeed binding? So, theoretically, one could have argued, as we already saw in the Ravid, that even a minhag that someone accepts we can assume that it doesn't necessarily pass on to the next generation, and it depends on whether he accepted it as a personal homra, or is accepted as a minhag that he wanted to be accepted on the family. That is a possible justification, which would defend minhag avot as a primary category in halacha. However, the majority of the post-game seem to assume that the primary category in halacha of communal minhagim are minhagim, and not minhagim mishpacha. And therefore, they understand this gemara kipshuta, that a son is not bound to his father's minhagim, and understand the gemara p'sachim as referring to a geographic community, rather than a family. So, for example, if one looks at the rivash and shuvashin Saditet, quoting from the Ramban, he notes that Kobeneha ha'ir Bikal Takanatan these Takanot are accepted on all members of the city Vafal Noladim Acharmi and even those who are born later. Shuri Matsiborlasotahem Al Zaram, for they, meaning the city, can accept a custom. The Ramban clarified that this is not just a case of a formal acceptance, but even simply that they simply practiced laso as we discussed last week, to protect the Torah. The Chavot Yair is even clear in Shuvah, Kuv, Chavav, and is quoted, Lahalachan, the Pitrey Chuvah, Vinir e' Lefionia da'ati, Divadai kra, Dishma bini musaravichah hu Asmachta ma'oma. First of all, the pasuk is merely an Asmachta. And then he continues, umad di Hichmir, Rabbi Yochanan, O Beishan, hu Mitzad Hamakom. The binding category is geographic. The binding category is not parental, and B'nai Beshan were not the children of a person named B'shan, but rather the people of Beit Sha'an. And therefore, the primary category of Minhag is Minhag Hamakon. Now, before we return to the question of if this is the case, how do we get to Minhag Eidam? Several points must be made. As we noted last week, these minhagim, minhag of a person, minhag of a makom, or perhaps a family, their power is derived from some version of bal yachel, from some version of a nedir, of a commitment, of a vow. However, If that is the case, it is possible that one could nullify the minhag. It is possible, just like one could nullify a minhag that he himself took, or a nedzer that he himself took, perhaps one would be able to do the same to a communal custom or a family custom. So is this indeed the case? So while one would think that it would be, many Poskim felt that this that the communal or family minagim have a different status, a sort of super neder or beyond neder or binding in a way that cannot be nullified. Perhaps they are a super-neder, perhaps they are a neder that was not accepted verbally and therefore cannot be nullified because there is no vow per se to nullify. One adopted the commitments. So, for example, if one looks at the Chatam Sofer, in Arachayim's Menkuf Chavbet, he writes, Mikol li ikur lidina, lahatir The law is that while they, meaning the people who accepted the commitment, the minhag, can nullify it, their children cannot. And here's where you begin to see the possibility that these minhagim, these communal minhagim, are more powerful than personal customs and are beyond a regular case of a nadir. If one looks at the pre-chadash, the pri notes that this is a machloket. Now, the rav Marik Kalon sviirle da'af la'av ein lo atara ve'ad rabbi Yishele da'gdeik me'asher k'davek kol she'gemelehim yecholim lishela lav de'griyakol abanim mikorcha avim kein l'daras overim shilavo Yishele matara kol she'kein lebanim zeh eves varad arash dam. The pri himself thinks it is the opposite. He thinks. That to whatever extending nadir is binding, it is less binding on the later generations who inherit the nadir. Unlike the Khatam Sofer, who assumes that these inherited minhagim are more powerful and cannot be nullified, he assumes that logically it should be that they are less powerful, less binding. Pritchardash has a lengthy discussion of this in Tov and he cites many positions. He write he cites the position of the Maharashdam in Yerudaya Siman Mem, where he writes Alkarl lo pligel dvarim am mutarim legamre v'nagubahem yisur devik yisur chadash. He says, perhaps we can distinguish. There are indeed those menhagim, which are purely midin neder. V'yish lo latara k'sher nedarim shem la'asor at hamutar. Those are ones where you know that there is no prohibition at all. Aval vedavar sheyish po machloket b'ne chachamim. He notes that certain minagim, as we've discussed in the past, are not to accept things which are permitted as forbidden, but rather to accept a stringent position within a machloket. And in such a case, he's accepted the psak, the minhag to be machmir, is an acceptance of the more stringent position. And therefore, he thinks that under such a circumstance, that type of minhag, you would not be allowed, it would not be allowed to simply nullify it, and it's not really a nedir. However, the way that one would permit it is simply by having a posaic. Because as we noted, that type of model, that quasi-maradatra model, is not a real maradatra model. And therefore, if one has a posaic, while that type of neder may not be a mere neder, which is subject to hatara in a normal way because it's not exactly a neder, it would be permissible to simply receive a new psa. At any rate, what we see is that there is this dispute as to whether the minhagim that are inherited generation generation to generation are stronger than individual acceptance, or are in fact equivalent or weaker. And the second thing is that we must note that certain minhagim are subject to hatara, while others are subject to psak, and that returns us to our old category. Now let's return to the question we had started with. As noted, the majority of post seem to believe that the primary category of of group minhagim which are binding are geographic, are makom hamakom, ha ha'ir, and for many, many generations, for many hundreds of years, indeed, that was the primary category that people experienced. However. Now, in the 21st century, most people do not have strong minhagei hamakom. Rather, they feel bound by their family minhagim, or even deeper, their minhagei edah. So, where does this come from? So, here we have several options. One is to take the position of Rebel Yashiv. Rebel Yashiv on page 8, Sadi Gimel, and his Arod on Psachim simply writes that we followed the ravat, And we understand B'nei Beishan as referring to minhag of parents on children. And as we mentioned before, the way he defends himself against the critique from the Gemara in Chulin, in which it's clear that parents took minhag and their children did not, he distinguishes and says it depends. A parent has the right to accept a custom only on himself, in which case it's binding on him and not his children, or he has the right to accept a minhag on himself and his children. And if he does, then it is binding. And therefore, we indeed have a source from the Gemara that supports minhag avot, and then one can easily understand that in Hagei, Eida, Ashkenaz, and Sfarad are intense expansions of that category. Because it's not just your family, but it is your entire group, your entire ancestry, and you are bound to their customs. So, well, Yahashiv writes, And you are bound to their mecha." You are bound to your parents' minhagim, but only those that your parents intended to be familial minhagim rather than personal practices. So, again, according to Billy Yashiv, we indeed have in the primary sources. Indication that family minhagim are binding. And if that's the case, then it is easy to understand how we shifted from minhagim makom to minhagim edad as the primary category in the Gemara was in fact minhagim makom, which are then expanded. However, what about other poskim? What about poskim such as Rebovadi Yosef, Moshe Feinstein, who in several tshuva do indicate that perhaps parental minhagim are not binding. See, for example, Yichav Adal Yudbet, Yud Omer Chelak Gimel Yoredesim and Yud Aleph. The Rav Paulim Yoredesim Chav Gimel Igrat Moshe Chelak Gimel Yoredesim Tshuva Samachdalit. If familial minhagim are not binding. So then, one, is there any value to familial minhage? And two, what is the category by which we bind people to minhage edah? So, one possibility is to say that while we do not accept minhag vote as a binding category, we do accept minhag, a da, as a binding category, and say simply that, in fact, the category of makom didn't really mean place. It meant community. And for much of history, community meant the people that lived around you. However, in the globalized world that we live in, that has transitioned. And now we refer primarily not to our community in terms of the people that live around us, but the people we identify with. And that larger shift in the way we experience community has allowed us to transform the definition of Macomb Two, community of origin. We discussed this in the context of Mara Da'atra of the Rajbah, where we noted that the Rajbah already opens this up, that communities accepted as their Mara Da'atra, not literally the master of the place, but a particular authority they identified with. And then Rav comment, that in the modern times, that's what's happening in Psak. We've not just expanded the meaning of the Rav, it can be someone who's already deceased or doesn't live near you or whatever the case may be, but community as well has been redefined along lines of identity and that is legitimate. So one is to simply say without explanation that it must, or without uh, too much argumentation for this, simply to say that Makom was always a stand-in for community and community can now be redefined, and therefore edah can take the place of makom, and therefore you can have a posek like Ravadi Yosef or Moshe Feinstein, who, when it comes to minhagei av, they don't think that they are formally binding, and therefore a Moshe can argue that a child in yeshiva has the right to follow. I must follow the Minhagim of the Yeshiva, not his father's Minhagim, while he's allowed to follow them at home. And yet say that Ashkenazim must follow Ashkenazi Minhagim and Ruvadi Yosef, who very strongly holds that Svardim must hold Svardi Minhagim. One can alternatively come up with a different model. Rub Vosner in the Shey'ad al Lady, Siman Siman Tet argues as follows. The possibility that we've just discussed is that minhage Eida are, back to the possibility we've discussed, or one, it's an expansion of minhag avot, Yashiv, if indeed you accept that as binding. If you do not, so you can argue that minhage makom are a transformation, or transformed into minhage edah, there is another possibility, which is to say the following. There is one type of minhag that is in fact clearly based on family and not on Makom, and that is minhag Yisrael. Minhag Yisrael, which is binding on all Jews, is binding on us by virtue of the fact that we are part of a people. Theoretically, one can argue that Minhage Eida, Ashkenazi Minhagim and Sephardi Minhagim and the like, are binding not as a transformation of Minhagam Makom, nor an expansion of Minhagavot, but rather as an extension of the category of Minhag Yisrael. Meaning that just like there are Minhagim which are binding on a nation, there can be subgroups which are so large within the nation that they have enough a, of an identity. A tribal identity to bind their descendants. This is the perspective developed by Rav Vazner. And he writes as follows. He Pashut lalacha ta'afil ashkenazi ha'nimca lagamri b'kahal sfaradim uvhak. Even an ashkenazi who is found in a Sfaradi community. V'chineir shal sfaradim u'miyut ashkenazim she'en Kalu, Beitin u'baitin b'fnei atzmam. Sh'amiyut n'imshach achar harov. Etcetera. And even when you have a minority, they don't have a big din, and they should be carried off with the majority. They are indeed considered each community a kahal vifnei atzmo. And what is the category? So he says as follows. He says that the category is what we would call minhagei Shavet. Davar shekibel alatsmo Shavet shaleim b'chal yisrael kmo minhagei svaradim v'achrao tehem v'mnei sheim svaradim v'nimshachu achar achar rabotehem me'ot meot Bishana, v'chena achrao chalas karama shez' davar nimshachu darod olam mikam meot shana. The category we are dealing with here is essentially minhag a category that, as I would argue, is essentially a microcosm of minhag Yisrael, and therefore we have now to defend the current perspective that most post scheme assume that minhage a da or binding possibility 1 is to assume that this indicates irregular that we indeed think minhage mishbacha or binding possibility 2 is that this is a transformation of minhaga mako possibility 3 is that this is a new category called minhage shavet possibility 4 however is that in fact this is a mistake, and perhaps indeed we are not bound by minhage eda. In an article written many years ago by Rabbi Lam, Rabbi Lam noted that he was not in fact convinced that in this world in which Ashkenazim and Sfaradim live together, that they continue to be bound by the minhagim of their ancestors. He then goes on to suggest model 5, possibility 5. But again, he notes it as a theoretical possibility, one that he endorses. But before that, he does note the possibility that in fact, minhagamakom is the primary category, and therefore minhagayda are not binding similar to minhagavot. However, the category that he suggests is based on the sugyot in the first Paragraph of Abatra. In this first Paragraph of Abacha, the Gemara introduces the possibility that there can be minhagim of guilds, of certain groups of businessmen that accept practices and accept it upon all the professionals in that city. Based on this, Rabbi Lamb suggests that perhaps the modern notion of minhagei edah is in fact not binding fundamentally, but we're accepted voluntarily by the fact that we treat ourselves as Ashkenazim and Svaradim. And therefore, once we do that, it becomes binding because of our acceptance. But that acceptance in itself was indeed voluntary. So again, to summarize, last week we noted that minhagim can be binding both at the personal and the communal level. However, what is the community that we're speaking about? The classic category, according to most post was geographic. So how then is it now that the primary categories that people relate to are minhage, edah, and perhaps family minhagim? So we noted that we have several possibilities. One is to follow the Raivid, the Preto'a, Yashiv, and to deny the assumption that I started with, and say that in fact family Minhagim are the primary category. They are binding, and for sure Minhage da, which are more expansive, are binding. Possibility 2 is to say that Minhaga vote are not binding. However, Minhage da are binding, as they are a transformation of Minhaga Mako. Possibility 3 is to say that there's a new category called Minhaga Shevet of very large groups of people that, in fact, similar to Minage Israel, can bind their descendants, even if personal Minage Av cannot be binding, or are not necessarily binding. Possibility four is that, in fact, Menagei are not binding, which, again, while a theoretical possibility does not seem to have been fully endorsed by Poskim. Possibility five from Rabbi Lam is the possibility that in theory it should not have been binding, but since we have voluntarily accepted it and we identify with our communities, the minhagim are binding because of that. At this point, I would just like to note that while it may be the case that family minhagim are not binding because of minhag, as many poskim note, they are still extremely valuable. Both because they connect you to your family and to your experience of Yadut, And as well because of kibuna Ha'vaim. And therefore perhaps they are binding because of the respect that we owe to our parents if not Midin Makom. And this, for example, is suggested by Reb Nochem Rabinovich and Siach Nachum Siman Lamid. He writes... In all menhagim of this sort, a person must take into account his family, his friends. Because of the emotional impact of these, I encourage everyone to follow their parental minhagim. And then he adds that this is true even if his father forgives. And therefore, while some boasts may not be as strong as Rebbe about this, the notion that even if indeed we would conclude that minhage vote are not binding, based on the strict categories of minhag, that there is some value of kibbutz avaim or similar values, or emotional connection. All of these would point in the direction that even family minhagim, while they may not be minded, should not be discarded lightly because there clearly is value um even if the exact source is unclear. One final point is to note that while it is true that the majority of poskim do take minhagei eda seriously, it is the case that many poskim, especially in Eret Yisrael, will under many circumstances try to minimize the gap between Ashkenazim and Svar- Svaradim, um, both because they may not be fully convinced of this category, or simply they believe that a new identity is emerging, in, especially in Eretz Yisrael, where these previous identifications become less meaningful. And I am not sure exactly what directions this will take in the future, but it is clear that there are certain post skim who are beginning to blur the lines between Ashkenazim and Svaradim, and in the community, individuals are practicing in in this way, and it is possible that this type of halakhic position will emerge more strongly in the coming years, while at the moment, the majority of poskim are not willing to disregard this notion of menaga ida, It could be that as the community becomes further integrated, and people... Begin blurring the lines themselves; that Poskim may come to agree more with the theoretical formulation put forth by Rabbi Lam. And indeed, there are several Poskim, especially in Eretz Yisrael, that seem to be beginning to move in that direction. We will continue these discussions in our coming Shurim.